We've got new incomparable merchandise and the return of some favorites. Go to theincomparable.com slash shirt to see our entire Cotton Bureau store. Check it out, theincomparable.com slash shirt. It's not brain science. It's rocket surgery. This is Disney's The Black Hole. The Incomparable. Number 434. November 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and we are talking about a movie that I have to admit, when we went into this, it was really, we've talked about doing this movie for uh, more than a year. And the real debate was, is it rocket surgery or not? Because I hadn't seen it since it was released in the 70s when I was a kid. And so I didn't know. But I I suspected it was. And I watched it. And it is. Now, some people may disagree with that. but uh, I object. Uh, it's, it's Disney's The Black Hole from uh, the director of Freaky Friday, 1979. It's a, it's a, let me check that. Was this not released in 1959? No, here it says 1979. Um, uh, I have assembled basically everybody I know to talk about the black hole uh, because people want to talk about 70s Disney movies. It's just a thing they do. They want to talk about it. So we're going to talk about the black hole. Some people may dissent to the idea that this is rocket surgery, uh, but it is uh, because I say so because I watch the black hole. Joining us are the following wonderful people. I may not think they're wonderful after we talk about the black hole Anthony Johnston is here hello I strongly object I was not involved in that initial conversation and I would have lobbied hard for this not to be in rocket surgery I think it's very unfair alright you're wrong but that's fine Eric Ensign is also here uh, activating the micro beam I mean microphone okay I also don't think that this is a rocket surgery so in my head canon we're just here to talk happily about this movie excellent it's just a regular episode uh, James Thompson are you interested in black holes if there's any justice at all, the black hole will be your grave. That's right. All <laughs> nice. right. Kathy Campbell is also here. Hello. I am here to be a space scientist, please. Okay, good. Excellent. We have that. That space. position is open. That's yes, good. Uh, Monty Ashley is here. Hello. Uh, Jason, I would like to start with a 10-minute overture. Okay. <laughs> Are you interested in black holes? Wasn't it enough of an overture for you? <laughs> Steve Lutz is here. Hello. That's not an overture, that's foreplay. Help me! Help me! <laughs> I can't, it's the black hole. I, I watched this two nights ago and that's the only line I can remember. Uh, I would say, Jason, that this is a good, bad rocket surgery, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, all right. And uh, and Philip Michaels is here, who I want to remind, the word impossible is only found within the Dictionary of Fools! <laughs> well, Jason, I'm very excited to be here. I spent the entire night binging on episodes of Black Mirror and I'm ready to uh, discuss oh, no. it. Oh, <laughs> not really my bag, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can uh, talk about this great I'm, show. Glad you made it through. <laughs> I, if I binge on Black Mirror, I would, I would write a note. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the black hole. The black hole is a weird movie with a weird history. It's a movie that Disney wanted to make for quite a while. They had a lot of uh, attempts. It never really went anywhere. They had, I, I believe, they had scripts that got changed. They had sets that they built. They had concept art that they built. All these things, but they couldn't make it. And then Star Wars happened, and they said, "There is money to be made in outer space. Let's make <laughs> a movie about outer space." And so they made the black hole. I think that may explain that long history of it. May explain why. It is such a strange, and I, I don't think, I, I also think it's a good, bad sort of, uh, good, bad, uh, 
movie. It's at least a strange movie. I liked it more than I feared I would. Um, but that doesn't mean <laughs> I, I liked it. I, I, don't, I think it, I, I still think it's, well, I, I, having not seen it since I was a kid, I thought it would be completely without merit. And the fact is, uh. it's not. It's got things in it that are, that are fine and uh, some things that I actually like. And also there's 30 minutes where I wanted to die. But uh, <laughs> we'll get there. So I, I think one of the things that, that is perhaps undeniable about it is it is a weird amalgamation of different things. It kind of feels like a 50s science fiction movie, in very old-fashioned in some ways. It kind of feels like a... Uh, classic horror movie in in, in, a, in a, some ways, which is very strange. It's also got a lot of money poured into the special effects, and it's got a couple of cute robots, which feels Yay! very much like yeah. we need to insert some cute robots because kids. Star Wars has taught us anything. It's taught us that kids love the cute robots. Do you like R two D two and C three PO? Well, imagine if we combine them into one. <laughs> Say, this is a kid's movie. What if we put something in that would offset the guy getting Cuisinarded to death? Yes. Yeah. So amid the gothic horror of this of this movie uh, is a, an, a couple adorable tin can robots who quote things and... Well, and tin can They play robots, video games. Anyway. Kids yeah. like those newfangled video games, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kids like it when movies stop dead to watch robots play video games. Yes. <laughs> they also have fancy accents. Like they Texas. Do. You've got to have at least one British robot. Like British and Texas. Yeah, those are the robot types. <laughs> hey, British and they Texas. made it perfectly canonical. They said he was built in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's set up. That is set up in advance. I noticed that. Whereas, like, sure he, he was assembled in Houston, and then we meet him, and it's Leon Slim Pickens is a robot. <laughs> <laughs> We're not complaining about Slim Pickens now, are no, we? No, no, it's not. Oh, no. no, or, or Roddy McDowell, quite frankly, who's the voice of Vincent. All right. So the black hole begins with uh, some computer style titles, a grid with a black hole at the center. There's a John Barry score. It feels like they're going to reveal the James Bond uh, villain's lair at any moment doesn't happen it's not a james bond movie i love this theme song so much i just have to say it is a really great score as well yeah like the whole thing throughout the theme tune right through i've got the soundtrack and it's a fantastic score very i mean it is kind of old-fashioned like you said it it, is in some ways this movie feels a lot older than it is uh even older than it is but it's the score is definitely part of it and it is a it's a classic soundtrack yeah it's so we get we get john barry's uh we get an overture like uh, star trek the motion picture which was released also in 1979 some of the last movies to be released i think maybe the last two major american releases to be released with an overture i believe so all right we meet the crew of the palomino and a sequence that is uh where they, we see them sort of uh, floating in oh. zero gravity, <laughs> more more like more like uh, half gravity or half of zero gravity. Yeah, it's half and <laughs> half, half and half gravity, two percent <laughs> gravity. About the zero gravity effects, that's the essence of this movie for me. Is they took standard 1950s science fiction movie tropes, like you always saw somebody floating around in like a rocket ship XM or something, mm-hmm. yep. and then they did those effects really well, and that was it. <laughs> One of the things that I think is fascinating um, two years after Star Wars is that both Star Trek The Motion Picture and The Black Hole are so deeply influenced by 2001 in a way that Star Wars isn't. I mean, Star it's Wars not, is yeah. too, yeah. but it's not not like these two movies. And that's very interesting that they're like, well, we don't want to really ape everything out of Star Wars, so we'll ape 2001 to a point. And this early stuff is, they very much are doing 
their sort of homage to 2001 uh, in the with the people floating up into the into the spacecraft, or or one person keeps going. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and 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 one thing that I want to say is they had a great uh, dolly budget on this movie because I noticed that a lot of these, I think, very effectively in many cases, a lot of the ways that the they do uh, both. Uh, anti-gravity or non-gravity effects and uh, robot effects is they frame the shot so that you can't see the mm-hmm. thing that is moving yeah. the people around. And I, it, it's actually with the robots. Way stopwards. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think it's actually, they do a pretty good job of it, but that you definitely see where they make, you know, this is the mat and then here's the cut and now she's on a little truck and they're rolling her around like she's floating yeah. and stuff like that. I think this, the thing that surprised me most watching this for the first time in like almost 30 years was how well a lot of these effects from 1979 stand up. Um, I, I was shocked. I, I really mm-hmm. was expecting to point and laugh at most of it. And uh, unfortunately, the first shot that we get of them coming up the tube is probably the worst in the movie. Yeah. There's a lot of outline yeah. around yeah. them as they're floating up. But the rest of it is really solid com- com- considering it's, this is 1979. To, to, to put it in further context, last weekend, for God knows what reason, I watched The Cat from Outer Space, which is another <laughs> uh, Disney, movie, Disney from movie from the 70s. I think it was one year earlier. And that one, the special effects are sh- are, are so shoddy. And you, you people are flying through the air and you can you can actually see the platform there. There's sitting on so disney <laughs> disney really threw some money and and threw some know-how mm-hmm. and used that that cat from outer space knowledge to improve on the, the black <laughs> hole learned. i think one of the stories is that they wanted to rent some equipment from ilm to do this and ilm was like Mm-mm, no you can't nope. and so they they yeah, in like kind Honda of using it <laughs> they kind of invented some stuff and and it is yeah i mean they threw money at it because they thought they wanted to do a special effects spectacular and it is you're, you're right the the one shot where they're floating up is really bad, but that's the one I noticed because it's preceded by a shot that's not bad and it's followed by shots that aren't bad. Um, I wanted to say, because I think we take it for granted now, the black hole itself that we see for most of the movie, including lots of shots where it's in the background out a window while people are talking, is creepy and weird and cool and yes. well done. Like it is, it is. I mean, you name your movie the black hole, you better have some black hole. <laughs> and yeah. they do. There's a lot, of, there's shots, a lot yeah. of black hole in this movie. I yeah. mean, it's more of a blue hole, but well, we're not going to get <laughs> a little too... Well, I, I don't want to blow your mind, Kathy, but uh, but space gray is also oh. not, not a color that's found in space where it's black. The yeah. hole itself is black. It's just the rim that's blue. That's right. <laughs> that's right. The black hole. You can't see the black hole. You only see the stuff around it. It's colorful. It's me about the presentation of the black hole is that it's, it's just this eternal spiral, which is nothing at all like any actual you know scientific concept no of are you saying the science like. in this but film was, is off right but it was such a new concept at the time when this film came out that they were just like yeah kind of like, let's have it spinning why not so the science in a movie where a woman communicates with a robot via esp <laughs> is, is, is shoddy and the Degas fact Tyson. that they can float around outside <laughs> without any sort of helmet or oxygen or anything like that yeah nope Science is perfect. Why would the robots need a helmet? Neil deGrasse Tyson, by the way, who is famous <laughs> for being a, a, a buzzkill. But he has referred to this as the movie with the worst science of any movie of yeah. all time. And That's fair. Nice. The difference is that things like Zero G and ESP are kind of, you know, we know how those do or do not work. Whereas my point was more that black holes were an entirely, almost an entirely new concept when this movie came out. So there was no real 
you know, proper sort of established idea of what one might even look like. Well, that's not entirely true. I mean, they, they had been talked about in the 60s, but they really hit the public consciousness in the 70s. And there is, I will have to say, despite Neil deGrasse Tyson um, killing everybody's joy, uh, yucking everybody's <laughs> young about the black hole. Not really. The uh, They do mention uh, uh, the event horizon and an Einstein-Rosen bridge at one yeah. point, which mm-hmm. is... Yeah. That's actually not wrong about it. Although they say if you go to the event horizon, you can see an Einstein-Rosen bridge, and that is right. not something that you can do. Yeah, that's... There is a maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, but this is classic 50s sci-fi too, right? They throw out terms that are actually mm-hmm. somewhat scientific, and they use them in completely yeah. the wrong way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not like today, where all our movies are accurate. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I would pay for a picture-in-picture of him just watching this movie and getting angry. <laughs> And, yes. it's yes. muted, and it's muted and you can't hear him and he's banging against the glass like <laughs> like in the Phantom Zone in, in Superman. He just starts shaking and then explodes like the star robot in the movie. <laughs> the, the entire movie actually starts with Technobabble. Before we even see any of the zero-G effects, we get an external shot of the That's Palomino. True. And the only thing that we hear is Vincent talking, which is actually, I love that it starts with just his voiceover before we see any of the stuff. I love that whole entire first sequence because just my delight and the delight of the people I was watching it with at seeing a space crew that was actually in zero-G, because that just doesn't happen anymore. People on spaceships just most of the time, you know, it's not 50s style anymore. So people are just walking around and there's artificial gravity for some reason. Yeah. And here, no, it's they're actually it's cheaper. They're floating. It's because it's yeah. cheaper. Mm-hmm. That's- <laughs> I loved everything right up until the moment where uh, Kate didn't recognize her own missing father's ship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. my thesis about this movie is that the special effects are good, but also get in the way of people enjoying it. If this movie were in black and white, then people would find it a super charming 1950s science fiction flick with like guys with perfect haircuts and jumpsuits saying things like, sorry, I blew my stack. (laughs) But because it looks more like Star Wars, it came out in 1979. People come into it expecting that they know better. Yeah. (laughs) And And they didn't. Well, it's at Disney, isn't it? That's what you get. But this was also the first Disney movie to get a PG rating. So right. they were clearly aiming mm-hmm. for a sort of more mature audience, which well, a guy does get, is a bit odd. Tony Perkins does get Cuisinarted in the chest. Yeah. Well, sure does. Yes. Tony Perkins, and he that's probably why had it, it got a PG rating, was that and... Uh, There's some hells and dams. ...usage of hells and dams, yeah, yeah which you Americans, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wash out your filthy like, mouth, space people. That's enough to get your PG rating. Really? Come on. Mm-hmm. By the way, before we get off of the opening scene, I do want to say how much I really love the credit sequence with the wireframe graphics. Yeah. Yes. As a kid, I thought that was the greatest thing ever, and I would watch Same that here. over and over again on the VHS and tape. The that we credits are—they have the little—they have a little cursor after the text as the text goes up there. They've got the little—it slides over with a little cursor, and I thought that was really adorable too. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine all those credits are lovingly hand drawn mm-hmm. as well, rather oh, than anything yeah. to do with computers. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this in the theatre when it was released, and as a a seven-year-old kid, I was absolutely blown away by those credits because this was pre-Tron as well. So yeah, this is it's very prefigures Tron. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And Escape from New York. So Wireframe was just like, what am I even looking at? 
Yeah, I saw it in the cinema probably around about the same time as you. Um, I mean, I, I think I really love the fact that this is the sort of the mysterious, seemingly abandoned spaceship thing. It's absolutely my favorite genre. And I think this is kind of, it's event horizon for children. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> yes, yes. It is, oh. it is. It totally is. We need to take a little break because I need to tell you about Pingdom. They're brilliant because they help keep your website and all the other sites on the internet that you love up and running. They monitor your site so you don't have to. They give you real-time feedback so you know what's going on all the time. Now, the internet is great. We love the internet. But you know what? It's full of computers. They're trouble. Pingdom detects about 13 million outages per month, more than 400,000 a day. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company or just one person. Computers hate you. They do. And you need alerts about any critical issues to your website. They'll let you customize how you're alerted, depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, Pingdom will track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, do you have a website run by a computer? I bet the answer is yes, and that means you need Pingdom. And all Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor. They take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial, a fortnight of Pingdom for free with no credit card required. And then use this code SNELL, my last name, when you check out and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for keeping those shifty computers in line and for sponsoring The Incomparable. Erica mentioned using ESP to talk to a robot. We should probably talk about the robots. <laughs> I did find it fascinating. Like They throw it out there. And this occasionally happens in movies. It often happens to me in Japanese movies I watch where something is thrown out as just like, oh, this is a thing that happens. And I go, wait, that's a thing that happens? And like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's cultural. I don't know. This movie does that too, where it's like, well, of course she has ESP and that allows her to talk to talk to a robot. I'm like, that doesn't, what? What? I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Is it that hard to believe that in a future society where we've mastered interstellar space travel and building robots that we wouldn't have come up with an interface that allows ESP havers to communicate with Like them? radios? She doesn't even do anything with it. Vincent just gives her a snippet of poetry or something. She's like, well... <laughs> Did my job. So um, <laughs> there is, uh, I mean, there one good scene comes out of, out of it, which is when they tell he uh, he tells Vincent to tell her what happened, which is basically yeah. that that he mm -hmm. killed you know he killed your dad and all the other people are rob aren't robots. They're actually the crew <laughs> who's been lobotomized. Again, kind of dark for a Disney movie. That's why. It's which, totally. By the, by the way, was also an incredibly shocking moment when I was oh, yes. kid watching this yeah. movie. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So so that she hears that to tell telepathically right so we don't see anything other than we see her reaction uh when she realizes this and it, it could have been maybe a little bit more but i think that's a good uh kind of moment of drama but i wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about at least the robot that she's talking to who is vincent and uh we then later meet his southern pride counterpart with dense <laughs> who's uh who's bob, bob yeah. old bob <laughs> And if you were wondering why robots need helmets, look at Bob. If he'd had a helmet, he wouldn't be all grunged up. <laughs> okay, fair. But uh, but I, I like that they established that the robots are really people, too, right off the bat. Because when Vincent's tether... Yes, uh, Star Wars. ...tears, tears at the <laughs> beginning, um, you know, the, 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 the young hotshot wants to go out and save him. And Captain Holland is like, no, 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 you sit down. You know, wh what if it was one of us out there? And the captain goes, Vincent is one of us. And I was like, yeah, robot race. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised at how long it took us to learn what Vincent stood for. And in fact, in my notes when I was watching, I was like, how could they name 
the robot but not have it be an acronym and then i saw the periods oh, on the actual robot i was like okay good well it's barely an acronym. it's a it's bad uh, bad acronym that's why yeah i've written down that vital information necessary centralized is one of the worst attempts at fitting something <laughs> to an acronym i have ever seen it's um, a backronym yeah they failed halfway through the word <laughs> we're dealing with scientists making robots i've run across a lot of linux commands that are just as stupidly named so. <laughs> i had a vincent fancy dress outfit bought me because this was a christmas movie uh, and in the run-up to its release in the uk at least it was massively pre-hyped i mean there was magazine features sticker albums toys it's and the disney marketing sale. machine i had a coloring book of, right, of the black hole which yeah. again what I, were they thinking I, I had a dr hans reinhardt action figure <gasps> oh my god Ooh. so that i could reenact judgment at nuremberg with it did he have a boring power somewhere where he just made you bored <laughs> oh, what action harsh. was involved in this figure exactly you get to drop tvs on it constantly exactly you you, so, you sit him in a chair and turn him around and put him in the dark and then at, at an inappropriate time you turn it around and reveal that he's been there all along is that what his action <laughs> is the best bits of the movie mm. i had a maximilian model figure as well that you assembled yourself this thing was about a foot tall uh and like was on a wire so it floated in the air. oh god oh, i loved the that. stuff of I nightmares <laughs> i had a vincent that was the same it was it was a model f- model kit that was put together i think by my parents because i didn't have the skill to do it and it sat on top of my wardrobe but the vincent fancy dress it was made of cardboard Cardboard, sure it was literally made of cardboard that you just put over a kid on their knees well i mean the robot is practically made of cardboard so why not the cardboard (laughs) my vincent sat on top of my wardrobe for for ages until there was an incident and i can tell the incident now So this this sounds like a sort of fever dream, but there was a science fiction <laughs> exhibition that was on a train and it traveled around the UK and you would go to the train and you would go along the length of the train and you would see all the, you know, props and things. And I've, I, I've looked online and I can't see any reference to this ever having happened or existing, but it did. I obviously wanted to go to this and I, as... As I did as a young child, I badgered my parents to take me to this thing. And I'd had this like Vincent and it was about, you know, half a foot tall or something. And it was on my wardrobe. And I go into the train and in like the first or second carriage, there's an actual life-size Vincent. And I'm like six or something. So this thing is way taller than me. And it turns around and it talks at me and I completely freak out because this thing is huge and I mean, watching the film again, like Vincent is a stone cold killer. He's like <laughs> yeah, murdering yeah. people throughout this whole film. Um, and I just freaked and I had to be let out through some kind of emergency hatch in the side because <laughs> I couldn't go backwards because there were so many people behind me and I wasn't going forwards because this robot was right in front of me. So I had to be let out through some kind of. I don't know what it was, like where they put the rubbish out the side of the train. <laughs> and my parents had to go out and uh, like go through the whole thing and then come and find me. And I was like given a bag of crisps to calm down. So well, they dumped you out the rubbish chute and then they continued through the train? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't go forward. They couldn't fit through the, the chute. So. <laughs> but that's worth picking up on. Maximilian is remains, I think, a brilliant and scary robot design. It's worth like, talking about all the robots now yeah really good yeah and maximilian was just such a such an iconic could have been an iconic figure because the movie wasn't so successful 
you know, kind of didn't become iconic, but it's such a great design. So we, uh, we, you who like this movie and, and I are going to disagree on a lot of things. I will not disagree with you about Maximilian. That's one of the things that struck me watching this. That is a terrifying robot. It's a great robot. He is huge. He is threatening. He has lots of like scary instruments that he can generate and then do things with. He's, he moves in a freakish, smooth, deadly way. The laws of robotics don't apply to Maximilian. Those, those are for other suckers. No, it is. It, he is terrifying. His only method of speech is his creepy red visor glows a little deeper when he's pissed off and that's that's creepy in itself that is so weird the idea of like building robots that don't have any audible method of communication it's like esp they just use esp i think dr reinhardt and maximilian just use esp that's how it works i think maximilian feels more like a character to me than vincent even though vincent has a million lines and won't shut up about cicero or whatever (laughs) i'd agree with that yeah yeah, I find I find Vincent um, super annoying because although he is a hero and he's part of the crew and he does the right thing, there at some point there was a note for the screenwriter which was to make him more C three PO like, I guess, and he start, mm. he just quotes endlessly and is super annoying. And that that I but Maximilian, yes, blissfully does not say a word, and all he does is kill. And I I, I he's super great. I, I like like I mentioned the dolly work in this movie. There are these shots where he's just people are walking and then he is just like sliding smoothly along and it's so unnerving it's great yeah yeah well the sound design really helps contribute to that as well yeah in fact the most confusing thing is that maximilian shell is in the movie um yeah. because it's like what <laughs> but what, what the robot was but, named in this script what? apparently uh, yeah. really <laughs> yeah imdb trivia insists that a piece of trivia is that maximilian shell at the end of the movie ends up in a maximilian shell <laughs> yeah, that's not that's trivia. That's trivia, what? but oh my goodness, they need to add an irony section to IMDb <laughs> pages. But he is, it is. Uh, so we get, we get. Uh, there are other robots that are like Tie Fighter pilot robots that are basically <laughs> just people in little suits, and they, and they've oh got little gun hands, marching stiffly, and they're and, awful. Uh, um, Those guys are definitely shields in Yarnell. <laughs> I do like their double-barreled uh, guns, however. They're laser guns. They're, that's a nice design. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're creepy looking. I, I feel like it's an added necessary like mathematical equation in order to like make sure they converge together at the right distance so you can have one shot instead of like missing on both. I, it just seems extremely complicated if you think about the lasers in this movie you are going down a rabbit hole because they are they are they spent a lot of money on a lot of the special effects in this movie the lasers are not part of that the lasers are just lines on a screen and sparks fly and they would be right in the in monty's 50s version of the black hole they would be perfect for that well but one thing they did spend a lot of money on that's worth talking about is the design of the cygnus as well the ship itself which Yes, mm-hmm. I think yeah. to this day still looks fantastic because it's like a, a spaceship slash cathedral by way of the Eiffel Tower. I just it's got it a fancy amazing. dining room. With yeah, chandelier. I mean, I was going to say, I, I, I'm a huge fan of a chandelier on a starship. You know, it just says something about a film. That dining room was not from this movie. They just found a yeah, dining yeah. room set. Yeah, no, the Cygnus. So the Cygnus, we see the Cygnus, and I, I'm, I'm at basically at this point giving up on uh, on recapping this movie. But but we do see the Cygnus. Um, 
And uh, so we'll talk about the sickness now. I uh, from the outside, yes, it is like a haunted like castle turned on its side into a spaceship. I think that's kind of intentional. Um, but I will say because then when we when they get on board and then we meet Doctor Reinhardt, this is basically a movie where a bunch of people who are uh, who are traveling somewhere, and then there is a horrible. Uh, storm, I mean black hole, that forces them to go to a haunted, uh, abandoned castle, I mean spaceship, where there's a creepy mad scientist, I mean creepy mad scientist. Space uh, scientist. Space Jason. scientist. Yeah, get it right. It, it, it is like so much just like, oh, this is a, the, the form of this story, which is one of the things that makes me feel like it's super old fashioned, is that it is that gothic horror movie where they end up in yes. his creepy mansion, except in space, but it's still a mansion and his butler is a robot who slides around and is scary. <laughs> What's bad about this? No lies detected. But, I mean, yeah. uh, this is all reasons that no, I like no, but, the movie. But the, <laughs> so it's super strange. It's a strange combination of these things. Um, the thing that, uh, so it, yeah, it, I, I don't know. It, it um, it's okay. It's weird. The part that really got me was the dining room because that was the point where <laughs> the movie was like, the movie literally does not care that it's on a spaceship at that point. Yeah. It, it's just like we're in a dining room with a chandelier. That scene was lifted from, you know, the, you know, the, the creepy Some mansion. Movie. Yeah. Creepy mansion <laughs> on the hill movie from 1962. But it's different because there's a black hole. Out but there's the a black hole. Out yeah. the window. He, he, They're in space. He plans to fly the house through a black hole. It's just so house, house on Haunted Hill doesn't have robots at oh. dinner. That's true. <laughs> it's that that that's that's the part where I was like, and and I I really think the when we meet uh, Doctor Reinhardt and for the thirty minutes after where everybody is speechifying and nothing is happening is the what makes me really dislike this movie because I find it incredibly boring and misguided and not in fitting with the rest of the movie and uh, I hate it. They they talk and it, it's super boring and I think the biggest crime any movie can perpetrate is being. Uh, deathly boring and this movie perpetrates that i will not dispute anything jason said there um but there is one thing there is one thing about the cygnus that i that i love and that has ruined me for other space movies and that is that they have the little transport um uh uh go-kart that they they, that they can the sled that they can move around the ship for and now whenever i see a space movie and there's a big spaceship and they don't have a sled i get very angry and (laughs) because i'll be watching a star trek episode and picard will be walking down the the ship like a chump where's your no where's your little sled to get from point a to point b that's a big ship you're wasting time would you say you're down with the cygnus yeah. Oh. Oh. This podcast is it's over. over. Yeah. Did you write that down? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of the Cygnus design, and it's 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 an unusual design, I think, for a space movie. I think it I think it ends up closer to some of what we saw in Alien earlier in the same year than it is to to uh, sure, to Star yeah. Wars mm-hmm. or anything similar. Yes, um, I agree. And it's I mean it's it's all. Po- like industrial pipes that are welded together. It's like a floating boiler room in uh-huh. outer space. And, and it's and, got a big greenhouse full of food, which is, you know, and the greenhouse, kind of yeah, thing the you greenhouse would need. Is, you've got to have your hydroponics. Well, externally, we get that, you know, the, the at this point, almost classic tracking shot 
you know, it's the Star Destroyer shot from Star Wars and also the extremely long lingering uh, shots from Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. It's become kind of a, a classic. But here it's great because the, the, all of the ship lights are off and it appears at this point to be a derelict, which always gets me. I'm, I'm a fan of those as well. And uh, and when the lights turn on, it's actually somewhat startling because the whole the whole ship lights up as one. Uh, from a design perspective, maybe not exactly what you'd expect, but but it's great. <laughs> but it's striking, yeah. It's also, by the way, the Cygnus is named for the first black hole that was yes. ever recorded, right. Cygnus X1, which I thought was a nice, because again, they don't explain that in the movie, it's Mm-mm. just a nice little touch. But all the Rush fans already knew that. <laughs> I, the dinner scene by the way I mean yeah the movie slows at that point but the thing is I found it <laughs> ominous this is yes. the movie that taught me that when the creepy old scientist invites you to dinner it's a bad sign you well, here's, the thing about, <laughs> yeah. here's the thing about that middle section and I agree Jason first, it is yeah. it is talky and it is I would say this movie is not well paced, uh, oh, no. and I and I think the reason for that, yeah, a little bit, is yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess that's agreement. Um, <laughs> I think the reason for that is that this is a movie, as you say, that really wants to be a horror movie. Yeah, and it it's totally paced does. that way. It's it's you know it's 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 missing like a, a kill up front, and and um, I think that middle section it's it's paced like a horror movie because that middle section in a horror movie is always here we meet the characters they talk mm-hmm. there's there there are ominous signs nobody actually gets murdered and you know there's not a, an enormous amount of action but everything kind of ratchets up and the, the problem is this is also a Disney movie so the level right. with which they're allowed to robots get murdered we've already, already established that robots are people <laughs> and they get murdered <laughs> right. and, okay, and then fair Vincent, Vincent says something like kills Let, that guy. let's find somewhere to stash the bodies there are so many harrowing signs in this like the the uh the the creepy so-called robot that has a limp Uh and uh you know and it's all just just horror movie tropes that are that are that are put in here but the problem is that because it is a disney movie and it thinks that it's also a space movie the 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 tension ratcheting i think doesn't work very well in that section maybe not. let me tell you if you are six or seven it really does. No, as a kid, I thought I thought it was great. I loved it as a kid, and now now it doesn't work that well on me. And I think it's also because I, there's a general distance I think you have from the characters, who are not particularly well drawn. That yeah. I don't have a problem with because Reinhardt is really. I mean, he's the guy who pulls you through right. the rest of the movie from the moment of his introduction. He clearly he just takes over the screen. And the thing is, <laughs> you're right. The pacing is not great i'm not blind to this movie's flaws um but i think part of that is because yeah they're clearly trying to make a a more mature movie or at least they planned to than they really could within the confines of disney and with having to put scenes of robots playing video games in there oh there has been a plan to do a remake of this and a script was written for it. Yeah. And then the whole thing was put on hold because the script that was written was too dark. Too dark. So <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think in terms of this this sort of speed and pacing of it, I feel like it it does what it sets out to do and it's, you know, it does it well enough for the intended audience. Even watching it as an adult, I still found it creepy and I still, like that, it, that slowness worked for me and I totally understand how somebody could be bored watching those sections. But uh, like, I feel like this movie is—it's a lot like Blade Runner. <laughs> How dare you? In that, it's, in that it's really boring. Yeah, sure. Go on. In that both are shot on film. Yes, it is a lot like Blade Runner. <laughs> not not like the movie itself is similar, but the reaction to it is similar. I know an awful lot of people who think Blade Runner is just incredibly slow and boring, and they do not care about anything that happens in it. But then there are other people. 
for those people who are just wrong. Yes. It, it, who it really works for because it is taking the amount of time that it wants and needs in order to do the things that it is setting out to do and I think it does them very well. For me it works, you know, my spouse like will not let me watch Blade Runner when he's home because he's so <laughs> bored by it. Sometimes when we say pacing, we don't mean you know, sometimes we do mean the scene is slow, but sometimes <laughs> pacing is about shifting gears and not having the movie kind of flow and be paced well. And that's actually one of the problems I have with this structure is this is a movie that was at one time straight up that, again, go back to Monty's point, that gothic horror movie in space with the mad scientist in the dark and stormy night in the mansion and all of that. But then they messed it up with trying to Star Wars it a little bit more. And so you end up with the whole opening and they almost get sucked into the black hole, which is also, I think, kind of boring and not that exciting. And then they get on and you we have the robots and we have the robot funeral, which I will admit is sort of strange and creepy. And Ernest Borgnine, who I can't believe we haven't mentioned yet, meets a mirror-faced <laughs> robot and that's pretty weird. We haven't mentioned Anthony Perkins. The cast it, yes. this is amazing. Right, and the robot target practice. But my point is that, <laughs> that I feel like one of my problems with the pacing of this movie is that it feels like I'm watching a totally different movie and then all of a sudden we meet the mad scientist and I'm like, oh, that's the movie that I'm watching now. And then later on, it's not that movie anymore. And that's that. That's what I find really disconcerting about it is that this middle part, probably for it to work better for me, should have come earlier and the beginning of the movie should have been shorter. But uh, this is the movie that we got. And also, by the way, love the uh, anachronism or, or what is now an anachronism, which is uh, the... Uh, the when he asks, uh, Reinhardt asks Ernest Borgnine if he's still writing for the same newspaper. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> that there would be newspapers in the future. <laughs> I think you're, you're not wrong about the pacing, uh, but I think it's telling that, I mean, like I say, I saw this movie when it came out. I had seen it again a few times since, but I hadn't seen it for a while before I watched it for, for this podcast. And I think it's telling that the scenes that I, if you'd asked me to sort of name scenes from it that I remembered, are things like Reinhardt's reveal and obviously the crazy ending and um, Anthony Perkins getting killed sure. and the design of the singers. They're all the horror movie elements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the stuff with the robots and the lasers. The robots and the, and the lasers stuff, honestly, is so bad. Kind of just forgot about. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I see why. Like Because they're like the kids, they like lasers and robots. Let's stick some more lasers and robots there. I like th- that scene. The bit uh. where Anthony Perkins pulls off the mask and reveals, like, you know, what. Yeah, the, that's the a yeah, but that's totally horrifying. That has yeah. always stuck yeah, with sure. me throughout my whole life. Just an amazing moment. Yeah, that's a that's a great scene. I, I think Anthony Perkins kind of sleepwalks his way through the movie. A bit. At least one note. He does not give the vibe of someone who is happy to be there and who is <laughs> who is up for I, the challenge. Whereas Ernest Borgnine is all, yeah! It's hard to get a read on Anthony Perkins' character, too, because they're trying to do that story arc where he's tempted by the mad scientist and all that. And I, I just, I never felt like he was part of the crew and then he was tempted and that, like, it's just, he's very flat. I didn't even buy that he was tempted. No. Like, I well, love this movie and that was not, uh, <laughs> he didn't convince me. I assumed he was going to betray everybody he's anthony perkins why is yeah. he on your crew if he's not going to betray, betray everybody, everybody yeah and as it turns out it's ernest borgnine the happy friendly one who betrays, who betrays them with no them with yeah, no yeah. setup at all um i wanted to mention robert forrester who went on Journalists. to be a distinguished actor but here i can't help that he got cast because he looks like gary lockwood from 2001 <laughs> like I, I think that's like hey can we get a guy who's like the guy in 2001 yeah he'll do and then great robert forrester you're in the black hole 
He looks kind of like one of the Thunderbirds characters, actually. He's yeah, got he a does. Big old wooden yeah. head. Yeah. Sure. And I'm mad at the movie for yep. killing off Anthony Perkins and Ernest Borgnine and leaving the boring people to survive. <laughs> yes. the movie. It's true. It's true. But Charlie says, "Yeehaw! He can't be boring." I don't want a hairline shame here, but um, <laughs> I could not look at Lieutenant Pfizer P- Pfizer's heir and take him seriously as the young buck guy because he had quite the six head going. <laughs> yeah, so. but then he's got that awesome almost bouffant above it. Like I found it. I found <laughs> sure. it great. That guy is the most 1959 uh-huh. science fiction movie. <laughs> yep. yep. Talking about Anthony Perkins, the, I mean the other aspects of the movie that always stuck with me since i was a kid was his death scene which is just the most ridiculously over the top i mean it's impactful but it's so over the top and so uh kind of lascivious for a disney movie yes if you're gonna show a robot with spinning blade hands they have to do something with them right Chekhov said that Seeing this as a child, you'll never forget that noise he makes as the blades go exactly. into it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Vincent drills through him. Like, yeah. that's how Maximilian gets his comeuppance. Vincent drills through him. So it's, you know, uh, turn around. That, that's right. I think that death scene is very weird, though. And, and I, I'm going to chalk it up to Disney, which is it is at once horrifying and also kind of too restrained in some ways where you know it would be maybe more horrifying if you if it wasn't from the side through a book um, right. you know. these days you would see the blood and then you would see through yeah. the hole i have to say i think that's pretty clever though to to hide what's actually going on behind the you just uh, see the pages Reinhardt's flying notes. everywhere i'll yeah. protect myself with this book no it goes through books oh i mean they still managed to have a guy get cuisinarded on screen in a disney movie yeah. true. they, they yeah. did it by hiding it's true. it in the book and the and book that... itself is significant you know it's exactly. the book of, of reinhardt's notes it's symbolic right. come on yeah and it shows you that max Maximilian is absolutely a villain and not even not even uh, Reinhardt has con- full control over Yeah, Reinhardt says protect me from Maximilian. Maximilian, you shouldn't have done that. Is that a bluff because I just, don't know. You I know, it's it like is he just trying to get her to stay? Is he appealing Or to who's really in instincts? charge is yeah. one thing I worry. It's not a bluff. Maximilian abandons Reinhardt at the end. He does not work for Reinhardt. He is just an evil robot. Yeah. Yeah. But does he need protection? I don't know. It's, but I like it. I like that ambiguity. I like that we, you know, the Maximilian Schell does a great job of looking genuinely vulnerable in that moment when he's been completely in control throughout the rest of well, the it's, movie. Well, it's, it's Dr. Frankenstein and, and his monster yeah. is what's going monster, on there. Yeah. 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 Well, and he's also a sociopath, so <laughs> the, the fact that he'd be able to turn on a dime like that is not entirely surprising. The thing that I wrongly remembered from the film was a reveal that Maximilian was also based on a human, like one of the yeah, crew. Yeah, me too. I was expecting it to be Kate's dad for some Yes, that's right. what I thought it was. Right. Oh, wow. um, I think maybe in your head you blended the end where yeah. uh, Maximilian yes. showed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's because of the ending, but that was what had stuck in my head because I remembered, oh yes, those crew are, but then the final twist is that Max is actually somebody but it's not no, i think he was just a robot just an evil robot i wonder yeah. if that was addressed in the did you know that alan dean foster wrote the novelization of this <laughs> i assumed actually i did know of that. of course yeah. he did yeah <laughs> there's a lot there's comics that continue on the story past the ending 
I believe, oh, as yes, well. Oh, yes, I heard about I ha- those. I never saw You them. mentioned the comics. Ooh. You mentioned the costuming. I think that's one of the things that I, I, I find strange. The reason this movie sticks in my mind more ha- than having seen it in the 70s is because of the marketing. It did use the Disney marketing machine, even though it's a PG movie. It used the Disney marketing machine. There were Halloween costumes. There were coloring books and other things like that and, and comic there books. There were robots on trains. Yes. <laughs> Watching this movie, I was like... This is a strange movie to market to children, but that like they had their marketing machine. They only knew like this is how Disney makes marketing decisions in the seventies. Is we're gonna do it all for the kids, and so you got these. I feel like you know you're like yay, it's cute robots that I can draw, and then uh, sure I'll draw Maximilian. He's a robot too. Yes, he's a murderer. He's evil. Don't. But you know it's fine. It's just funny that that uh, Disney only knows one way to market a movie at this point and it doesn't really matter whether it's a PG movie or not they're still going to market it to kids and I was one of those kids and I, that's why I find this movie so memorable is because I remember all the ancillary stuff that went around it including the stuff that I had I didn't actually like it all that much as a kid I think I found it too disturbing and I remember that it's I didn't my like the movie at all I just remember the coloring book <laughs> But then I watched it again as an adult, and I quite enjoyed it. So here we are. So here we are. Yeah. Um, robots. So we should talk about the, the other robots, because one of the reveals that is that gruesome reveal, a Soylent Green's people sort of review, reveal, is that he says, oh, well, the other other people escaped, and they didn't get back to Earth. Oh, strange. Hmm. Uh, but it turns out the robots <laughs> are actually the remnants of his crew, that he has basically lobotomized. They're more, ro- ro- they're more machine than man now, I suppose, is what he may really say. <laughs> Um, and they, uh, Bob and Vincent, go on a killing spree, and uh, yeah, that 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 is this part of the movie. So uh, that is, I like the mirror. The mirror thing is creepy. The mirror face robots, and then when we yeah. take when when he takes off the one, and we see that there's a person's face underneath. That is that again as a horror movie. This is actually a much better movie than as a science fiction movie. I think. Right. I was wondering, so there's there's the whole greenhouse thing with there's all oh, there's far too much food for just him. So clearly they eat. Do they like go back to their cabins and take their little masks off and like have their dinner and stuff and then put the mask back on? Because I wasn't quite clear how robot they are. They have their bedrooms still. Yeah, that yep. with all their so I, photos in them. And they still breathe because you get that wonderful, again, the sound design. Like when he takes the mask off, you hear he the crew member just go, ah, ever so slightly. <laughs> and yeah. so, th- yeah, they are clearly still alive for some definition of life. So, yeah, I guess they got to eat. Well, and they obviously can die, too, since they had the funeral. So yeah, there so has to got be enough, enough humanity mm. left to understand what death means and yeah. pay tribute to it. Yeah, they're sort of like the zombies in uh, Dawn of the Dead. They're still going through the motions of their old lives, and certain things were too strong for them to let them go. And if they eat, they they probably poop, too, so... I was thinking about that, but I wasn't going to go there. Come on. (laughs) Why are you the one to bring that up? Well, because I waited. Nobody said it. I just, I didn't want to let it go. I had to mention it there. Well, it's it's there in the title. Of the book. Everybody poops. <laughs> oh, Even zombie. People. Oh, I thought you meant the, the black hole. You got the black hole outside, <laughs> yeah. and it just sucks it right That's up. That's right. But we're littering Every in another in a while universe. They launch a thing, a tidy bowl out, and it cleans yeah. it up for them. This discussion has taken a turn. They love poking <laughs> at panels of blinking lights in life, and so that is what they do in death. That's right. <laughs> How about the control room that that is? Uh, I think Monty pointed uh, this out before we started. Design, the yeah. you know control rooms usually have some blinking lights. What if we made a control room that is like ten, twenty feet high of just blinking lights? We'll do that. It's just the old science fiction tropes done bigger and better, but not more interestingly for me. Like, it's a cool shot when they walk in, and then you go, why 
what are all of these people <laughs> doing? Your, your ship isn't even moving. What is yeah. the point of this? Yeah. Well, and some of them are up on balconies as well with what looks like sort of World War Two you know, map pointers and stuff. Just, what are they doing? <laughs> well, they're, they're pointing at the black hole and saying, yep, still there. <laughs> oh, by the way, as much as we praise uh, some of the special effects here, I will point out, at a couple of points, there are scenes where people are looking out the window at the black hole, and they are not looking toward the black hole. They are, like, talking about how they're looking into the black hole, and the black hole is, like, off to the right by quite a bit. It's because light is bent yeah, sure, that's by it. the black I'm sure hole. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure it's just the windows are very thick, and the, and it's uh, it's, it's but right. it, I felt I was like, oh, I know what you're doing there, but that that, that you're pointing at nothing. The black hole's behind you. What are you doing? And it's just yeah. yeah there was an there's an egregious one during uh, one of the dining room scenes where <laughs> Reinhardt himself was like he's pointing, and then he kind of keeps moving to the left. <laughs> like eventually you'll get there. Just keep turning. Where did I leave that black hole? I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs> There's also parts where they're over looking down on that, you know, the stacked lights and blinking and and the hands are moving and you can tell that it's like paper or like uh, those films that they put in front of lights because it kind of moves a little bit and you're just like. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's. that's I wanted all. to say throughout uh, when the we're about to get to the point in the movie where uh, there are there are explosions and meteorites that look like I don't know gumballs See, that's the part Meatballs, where i start yeah. to get a little bored agreed i like that was my favorite part <laughs> so we, we are just going to disagree on everything about this movie but but one of the things that happens when they're running through the ship that i noticed is that it's like they're running through a big tent like all the walls yes. are just are just uh fabric basically and it's very clearly fabric and i guess you could headcanon that away it's like well you know they certainly do, it, it is inflatable parts of the spaceship or something but they it just looks the cheap. weight <laughs> Dirigible. It's a giant zeppelin. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, hey, you take that back. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that that said, later on when the ship is falling apart and everything is lit in red, the the torn fabric walls and stuff and the way they kind of billow in the wind, I think looks really striking. It actually, I think it adds to the to the effect at the end. But you're right. Once you notice it in the in the regular part of the movie, it's like, huh, that's a, that's a, <laughs> you really cut a few corners there on the signal. Also, there's a, there's this weird inter, interim point when they are under attack, but the ship is not fully engulfed in whatever is going on where there is literally, so there's that scene, which is an amazing scene. We should at least mention it where they are running across that trellis and the giant gumball is rolling toward them. Yeah. The Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. shot. I it's really shot. great. And they all fall. And they fall and they course. get up and they just make it. Because this is a horror movie. Yeah, right? And I, yeah. I love that shot. But where they go after that, if you watch it, um, watch it again sometime, where they go after that, there is literally no sign that the ship is under any distress. A giant gumball has just rolled through the center of the ship. And when they get to the other part, it's well lit. Nothing is shaking. Everything is fine. And I thought, <laughs> wow, the ship is really well made. <laughs> this part is just fine. It's fine. <laughs> Well, Ernest Borgnine said it cost the taxpayers lots of lots, lots and lots of true. money. So right. he was right. That whole meteor scene just smacks of somebody going, we need to destroy the ship yes. somehow. What can we do? And yep. it just yeah. comes completely out of the blue. Meteorites that look like pop rocks yeah. are Black. sucked suddenly. Because again, showing you that nobody understands what asteroids or meteors are, are actually like. But they, they have these little bright... Or how they or travel. How they travel. <laughs> they're like, oh no, they're going into or the black hole too. <laughs> so my understanding of that scene is is that uh, Ernest Borgnine tries to steal the ship. He gets shot down. It crashes into one <laughs> of the... No, it's, I think this is true. It's it, true. The I ship crashes, crashes into... Zero gravity. 
<laughs> it crashes into one of the like uh, force field generators or whatever, takes that out. Then all the meteors and things start coming through. Uh, then that takes out the other one. Then the whole ship breaks up. Right. But there just happened to be a meteor shower at that exact <laughs> moment that also conveniently ends luck. just when they need to get back to the story. <laughs> and that well, is obviously. only localized to the ship itself and is not in any other corner of the right. black it's hole. It's like somebody shot, you know, a shotgun of meteors at the ship. Okay, Neil deGrasse <laughs> yeah. Tyson. I want to hear, hear Monty's explanation for yeah. this. Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't explain things. He just says things are wrong. You guys are the Neil deGrasse Tysons in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, as we have established, is essentially a gothic horror. And a key characteristic of a gothic horror movie is that the environment represents the emotional state of the protagonist. That's why you get the huge lightning and thunderstorms when the heroine is running out on the moors in her, you know, nightgown or whatever. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to replicate here is the huge lightning storms. Sure, and this is the bit where Reinhardt dies, and I get all that. My point is more that it's just ham-fisted. It's sure. like, this is the one part of the movie that I think is mm. more poorly executed ha. even than the video games. <laughs> oh. so, so why is Reinhardt killed by a giant TV screen? Is this some kind of <laughs> I know, metaphor? Right? Because it's the future, and in 1979, giant TV screens were very futuristic. This thing's bigger <laughs> than true. 12 inches. TV's going to kill you. I guess I, I was disappointed yeah. by that too. That, yeah. that when the villain when the villain is not actually taken out by any member of the crew, but merely just by the the happenstance of this. Although I think that's a horror movie trope. Oh, but he's too. killed by his own. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like yeah. buying such a big television. It's like the house burning down in a Roger Corman Poe movie. It's the end of the movie. We have this footage of a house burning down. That's what <laughs> that's happens. Right. Too bad, House it. of Usher. In this, in this case. But that's a, that's a great bit, too, where where he's calling for help as he's underneath the giant TV screen, which maybe don't put that right above where you uh-huh. sit all the that's time. That's right. That's okay. simple. If he had lived in California, he would know this, right? Like, you never put the heavy things <laughs> when you sleep because of earthquakes. Yeah. But he didn't know. He calls out to his giant henchman robot, and the giant henchman robot ignores him. And then he calls out to his former crew, and they just keep poking at lights. That is a great moment, right? Help, 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 help. Yeah, and we're, they're like, no, got a job to do. We're worried about this real rickety shelf you mounted us on, boss. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I also love his, his last line, which is cryptic. He just says, more light. Yeah, that is so weird. That's uh, Goethe? Dying word? Yeah, yeah. This dying word. Uh, Interesting. Oh, boy, more pretension yeah. from this movie. Maybe maybe, maybe yeah, that was well. a quote he picked up from Vincent earlier. I don't know why they particularly mm-hmm. picked his dying words and not someone else's, but that's... Some robots are crushed by a palm tree at one point, too, by the way. I just want to point that out. Yeah. That death by palm tree happens in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, because Vincent, cu- or maybe it was Bob, yeah, cut it down accidentally. <laughs> yeah, I want to complain about those robots that died okay. with the palm tree. So... We had that scene of the uh, target practice, which uh-huh. I hated. And the only purpose of it was to show that these robots are pretty good shots. Once we're out of that scene, those robots cannot hit anything. Nope. It's stormtroopers, isn't it? It's like people who play Guitar Hero, you know, they think they're musicians, <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> it was only Star, the black one, that was actually good at shooting anything. Yeah. yeah the, the red guys were basically crap from beginning to end. And there was, I, but, I yeah. there's and no Star discontinuity there. Star blew a fuse there. because he lost a video yeah. game. But they're <laughs> shooting at people who aren't moving. And there's no sense of danger or suspense in that scene because those robots cannot hit 
anything, and they die just from being touched by a tree. They're supposed to be set up as a menace, and there's like a 15-minute segment of them menacing uh-huh. people, and they're completely ineffectual. Yeah, it's almost like, like stormtroopers. Vincent shoots Star <laughs> for that video game competition and kills him. So I think who's That's the true. worst player here? <laughs> I, I, so I, Erica and Anthony have said that they the, the, this part of the movie isn't so great. I did. I absolutely felt a huge amount of relief when this part of the movie started because then people were stopping their uh, ridiculous speeches and we were they were just beginning to run around and things were exploding. And this tells you yeah. my headspace for this movie is I was so relieved when people were running around and there were lasers and uh, and there were meteorite pop rocks <laughs> and death by palm tree and a rolling a rolling gumball down the center of the spaceship and yeah. all of that and the and the and the you know and the showdown between Vincent and and Maximilian which is which is great where they grapple with each other and I don't think it's a particularly well choreographed scene but there is a lot of weight there that we've got the adorable robot who we know can can really kill and he does drill into his heart robot yeah. headbutt yeah yeah and they they beat up yeah, against each other he brings his head out and he never looks he never looks more like Cartman than when his whole oval head pops up yep. with big <laughs> square eyes. But we have the poetic justice as well of Vincent killing Maximilian in yeah. the same way that Maximilian killed. Drilling right into his it's human it's heart, which no, he's not a actually a human, he's just no, a robot. No. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that you can apparently slap a robot to death? <laughs> like <laughs> I, I I was very confused as to like do they feel are their heart like their their nerve centers on the outside of the uh, very all all of the confusion. I feel like that was established when we first meet Bob. Like he's had the crap beaten out of him yeah. and is barely functioning. So yeah, <laughs> if you hit him enough well, times until it's time for him to fly around and shoot things, then he's way better than these stupid robots. By the way, Bob is enough of an old prospector that he actually gets his scene, which is like, "No, I'm finished. I'm fixing to die. You better go on without me, young feller. You keep the hope alive. Yes. I'm just gonna die right here, and I'm still he's here. I'm not dead yet, but I gotta finish my speech, point. and then I'm gonna die. So you better go. And I'm, my batteries are failing. Don't try to save me, kid. No, no, Vincent. You go do what you gotta do. I." Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming, robots in the sky. I, ah, uh, boo. And don't forget, Whippersnapper, that we're the best, because you're going to hear that as you tumble through the black hole later. <laughs> Bob's got a wooden leg, and he doesn't even walk. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be balanced while he's flying. See, I would happily have watched another 20 minutes of Maximilian Shell being ominous rather than all of that mm-hmm. stuff yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah i wouldn't have made it i would have passed out well i'd say i like this sequence too though <laughs> I, i'm with jason on this sequence because this is the opportunity for them to show off all the killer map paintings and uh yeah, which the, some of them were superb yeah. yeah yes and the set pieces which i think along with the death by cuisinart and the guys getting his mask taken off and the makeup underneath is just creepy enough to pass disney muster i also from from even being a kid remember some of the set pieces in this uh in this sequence particularly um the they return to where they're growing all the food for the for maximilian shell and the crew and uh one of the gumballs bursts a hole in the ceiling of uh, the, the the room, and it, uh, it a snowstorm effectively starts, and everybody starts to freeze. <laughs> People start drifting up towards the hole in the ceiling, and and uh, it, that whole bit I think is is pretty killer. Particularly the ineffectual robots who come in and are killed, and they're they're. Um, 
I, I, w- I wouldn't say corpses necessarily, but their deactivated <laughs> bodies slowly float up to the ceiling. And I, I love that <laughs> bit. And then the this, this subsequent bit where um, they, they get to the probe ship and they have to climb interminably, as it turns out, but they have to climb up the probe ship as the, as the ship is falling down right. around them. And it's, it's all, you know, busted rebar and pipes that are pointing out to nowhere and, and, and that whole bit. I, even though I think it runs a little long, the, 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 the art design in these sequences, I think, is superb and has always stuck with me. The probe ship bit, I, I agree, is great. The, the bit in the hydroponics, like where it becomes a snowstorm, I had literally forgotten that that scene even takes place until I was watching it this time and went, oh, yeah, I forgot, completely forgot about this bit. And it's pointless. They run in. Shoot a few things, oh, yeah. it is. run back out again. Yeah. It's completely And uh, again, pointless. not to not to Neil deGrasse Tyson this. That's not what happens. Like when you punch a hole into outer space in a room, right. it doesn't also, just yes. get cooler, <laughs> but and and no. windy. I right. mean, I suppose Daddy-o. sort of it does, but not this way. It doesn't just start to snow. I think. I mean, maybe scientists write in if the explosive decompression lowers the temperature enough. The, the laws of physics at the edge of a black hole, like weird, weird things, things happen. happen. Anything Jason, can happen. We're, we're what, an hour and 20 minutes in at this point? If you haven't accepted that this movie is utterly ridiculous at this point, there's no helping you. Yeah. Well, And let's right. not forget, black holes are the one final mystery that has eluded mankind, mm. apparently. Yeah, it's the only one left. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've done everything else. We solved ESP <laughs> with robots. That, that was, was, that was on the list check. Now yeah. all we got is black holes. Sure glad that paid off later in the movie. <laughs> so, um, okay, a couple things. I did find it a little weird, like, oh, we got to get to the probe ship. And literally at one point, it's just like, cut to, they're in the probe ship. That that I thought that was interesting, that there's, like, I felt like a disconnection there. Like They don't that, really show them climbing in through a hatch no, or anything. No, no, it's just, it's just like, oh, I guess they got the there. Yeah. Good. That's, That's great. That's a little weird, too. They're in the, yeah. they're in the ship. Right they forgot to film that scene. Yeah. Hatches are too expensive. <laughs> ship. <laughs> Ship not shown. Hatch not shown. We ran out of fabric. We can't construct a hatch no. at this point. It's like Doctor Who's big interesting door. It's like, we don't need to see that. No. <laughs> no. Exactly. Well, it's uh, it's not, not necessary. All right. So that leads us to the last part of the movie where our final surviving <laughs> characters are taken into a white room where they're fed and then they're in a, in a bed and then they're, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that is a different movie, but this movie... I like it. Let's do 2001, but with but shorter, with less mystery, and apparently there's a planet inside of the black hole. No, they go out. They go out. They're, hole. they're out okay. in, in the other side, and there's a planet there. And that, but in the in the black hole, as they're traveling through, all of our characters hear flashbacks uh, in sound as the frame rate gets stepped down, and that goes for a while. And then the other fascinating thing in this scene is, is as we've mentioned before, there's a scene where we see Reinhardt floating out in space with his hair blowing in the wind that is apparently in space because it's a black hole. And uh, Maximilian is there and they come together and then he, Reinhardt's looking out from inside Maximilian as they After stand they <laughs> on a hill in yes. hell, basically, in hell. Yeah. with yeah. a bunch of hell. things that could be the the crew slash robots who oh, they that's wronged. The, that's the crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And, and don't forget, there's an angel as well. And then there is. Well, the, that comes after. After hell, later. they go through the archways to heaven. Yeah. So I've written down all wormholes go to heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I am in favor of writing down your jokes ahead of time. 
Yes. <laughs> so I, I so much love the design of the hell sequence. Yeah. The, the heaven sequence is kind of dumb, but the hell <laughs> the hell bits are fantastic. I love the merging. It makes no sense, but I love the merging no. of Maximilian. And obviously stuck and with Reinhardt. all of us because we were all convinced that there was a person inside Maximilian, which yes. there isn't. But if you're a kid, you're like, oh, so he was in there all along, I guess? I, I don't know. I feel like that makes sense. He's, he is trapped within his own evil creation yes. within exactly. hell. In hell. Yep. To, be, to be tormented, perhaps, or haunted by the ghosts of his uh, victims, right? I love that we pull back from, from that very iconic shape of Maximilian to discover they're standing on a mountaintop that's shaped like Maximilian. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's a shout out to the earlier line, I think, from um, Lieutenant Hairdo about uh, um, uh, when I look in there, I expect to see a guy with horns and a pitchfork. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm told that one of the key things in animation is characters you can recognize by silhouette. Mm-hmm. And Maximilian is so that. Like, yeah. at this oh, point yeah. in the movie, you don't need anything but his frame. Especially when he's got all his Swiss Army knife attachments stuck out as yeah. it does in this scene. Yeah, he's fully, he's ready to go. It's such a strange thing to put in a kids movie, in a yes. TV movie. Again, <sighs> yeah. pointing to this basically being yeah. a horror film at heart because yep. it is, a, that's another bit that obviously stuck with everyone. It's so, it's strange, it's surreal, it's ambiguous, it makes no sense, it's kind of horrifying and ominous. It's it's brilliant, but it's just and there's, so there's weird. There's no evidence that the crew and the probe ship are there at all. We just happen right. to be seeing these things. No, it's another, th- <laughs> yeah. that, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to say about the ending is, I think the hell thing is fascinating and so bizarre and i think it is very well done that the angel angelic whatever is uh non sequitur and i don't really know why it's there and then everything else is the low frame rate of people uh, shaking in their little uh spaceship and that part is like they're uh, sorry to people who like this movie they're barely trying like it is yeah. it oh, no, is no. just I agree. so sad this, this, this movie should end after you fly through the archways and you see the angel that should be the end of the movie the, no question there's the stuff with the humans afterwards is just like setting it, up a sequel it defines yeah. yes Oh, okay. The the end of the movie is actually what turns me against it. I I'm I'm on board for a lot of it. Yeah, I don't like the speechifying and 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 this, but the just the ending. Even as a seven year old, I thought this is kind of horrible. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that I'm an adult, I oh, a seven year old Phil impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this was the first time I had seen this movie. Um, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't any of that. Uh. But I was really intrigued by uh, people talking about it. And so watching this and I was like, okay. And then the ending just kind of kept going. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what the heck is going on? And like I said in Slack, I was entirely too sober to be watching the last <laughs> couple minutes <laughs> there is yeah. precedent for this hell sequence by the way anybody who's been on mr toad's wild ride is oh yes that's yes. true yeah maybe they could have put some yep. pirates from the caribbean in here too just uh i didn't go. i didn't feel like the uh like the angel was a non sequitur though i felt like after we had no, that she leaves you them know, out yeah very very intent right. uh hell imagery that it makes sense that here's the gates of heaven and here's an angel who is leading our heroes uh, welcoming know, them yeah i, I don't think it's a non sequitur i just think it's hackneyed it's okay <laughs> So <laughs> you can you can sort of sympathize with the screenwriter going okay they go into the black hole what the hell do we yeah, do what now, now? Exactly. Yeah. interesting you would say hell I've got an yeah. idea what's that other big budget science fiction movie recently <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean I did think like they get out through like they've gone through the black hole they come out a white hole and they're next to a planet and mm-hmm. it's like well 
hopefully that planet's habitable and has some yeah. kind of food, water, <laughs> right? oxygen. Otherwise, you're going to die in about... billions of planets that we couldn't possibly breathe or even stand on. Yeah, otherwise you're dead in 24 hours anyway. The angel so. wouldn't have led them to an inhabitable exactly. planet. Angels know what they're doing. The planet is Earth, Steve. What? <laughs> Maybe it is. What? Maybe, it is. Maybe they all was inside us all along. When I was Maybe a kid, I thought I guess they I guess they took them home or something. Yeah, that's no, what I thought. No, and they're then Adam I... and Eve and yeah. other Adam. Adams and Steve. That's right. They can pair up any which way. It's nineteen seventy. Who's going to judge We're them? They're, it's the uh, Vincent, I guess. Yeah, probably he would. Yeah. Okay. He would. <laughs> he, Vincent is very judgy. He is, and he'll quote, he'll yeah, quote he lots of things at them too, mm-hmm. endlessly. I don't care for him. Um, and that's the end of the black hole. Disney's the black hole, which is not called that really. It's you know Buena Vista. It sure feels PG, like it, but it, 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 it sure uh, feels it does. like it. Now, one of the reasons Phil is on this is that he was talking about the cat from outer space and other Disney movies of the seventies. Disney movies of the seventies alone is a fascinating for people who don't know and think of Disney as the animation powerhouse that it was in the. Uh, mid 20th century and in the kind of late 20th century and onward there was a period where they made lots of things that were kind of at the level of maybe what we would think of as a TV movie now but they released them live right. action family friendly and that's where you get your your apple dumpling gang and your escape to witch mountain yeah. and the, the that that darn darn it, it started with Mary Poppins so it started well and well. um <laughs> the people like, no, no, hey, people people like, like Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins. It's, yeah. yeah I like it. And, have we done and, escape to witch mountain on this show? no we should. Not yet. And, no, and, then, and then Walt died, and it just seemed like they would throw anything against the wall to see if, like, Apple, as you say, Apple Dumpling <laughs> Gang and the computer wore tennis shoes and Million Dollar Duck. <laughs> the Barefoot Executive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and the, the Shaggy DA. Oh, uh, yeah. Gus, Dean the, Jones, Gus man. the Field Goal <laughs> Kicking Mule. And it, it, it's just, it's all, oh, let's try a thing with it. The animal was a thing. But and, then we got, we got Tron. So, you know. Indeed. 70s Disney uh, is a weird thing, but the, and, and the Black Hole is a weird movie. Not everybody needs to think that it's bad. I think it's bad. But I think it has some <laughs> redeeming things that make it fascinating to to watch it but i think i i think i think it's pretty bad sorry everybody uh but yeah but i hey maximilian that is a great scary robot it is kind of a shame that maximilian has not been repurposed in other ways like the stupid robot from forbidden planet that got repurposed in a million different <laughs> things maximilian super creepy super scary i love everything about him um you know he should have been like i don't know how you would do it like oh look here's a robot we built what uh i don't even know where he would appear but he's scary in my dreams in my nightmares that's where maximilian will appear <laughs> yeah. anything more to say on the train with James. on the train oh yeah i mean he got scared by vincent well vincent's kind of scary too he has he's big yeah he can hide people yeah and he does he um, is a killer he is absolutely a killer totally so I was very concerned, since I did love this as a kid and haven't seen it for 25 years, that it was going to be absolutely awful and nothing was going to hold up. And just, you know, as a quick encapsulation, it was actually better than I remembered yes. it. Oh, I, 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 it good. I agree. It's a weird ass I think movie. It's, I and... still think it's bad, but I, I, it is way better than I, I feared it would be after all that time. Yeah. Yeah. The pacing is weird. I, I agree. I think they tried to do too many different take too many different approaches to what the movie actually was if they'd have just stuck with horror it would have probably been better yeah. but again disney 1970 and star wars right but, was like licensed to print money was the theory mm-hmm. so that they yeah but to other than the sequence where i checked to see how much time was left a couple of times that big talky sequence in the middle it, it 
I actually think it's still a pretty darn good movie. Well, and this is why I have watched it many times since, because I remembered it from as I bought the DVD basically as soon as it was released, as soon as DVDs became a thing and it was available. I bought it and rewatched it and I was like, huh, this actually is still pretty good. Yeah, no, not (laughs) not a perfect movie by any means, but all of the bits that I remembered affecting me as a kid still affected me when I watched it on DVD. And I have watched it, you know, fairly often fairly regularly again since i think maybe been about like seven years since i'd last watched it before i watched it for this show but that's you know that's still only seven years compared to the 30 years since some of you have seen it Mm -hmm. and that's why because it really isn't you know it's a pretty good movie yeah it Mm -hmm. has problems and everything but it has some great moments and some really great set pieces which i didn't even mention that the scene where kate is about to be lobotomized and we actually that's the one that i remember that yeah yeah when i well because when i was a kid that is the scene that i remembered the most yeah i I remembered maximilian being being creepy and stuff but it was that scene and in my memory it actually went on a lot longer like i just felt like it was a huge part of the movie where we saw her very very slowly getting closer and closer to the the thing that the zappy thing that comes down but then watching it again and i mean i also just watched it about seven years ago but i think that so traumatized me as a child that i still kind of remembered it as being (laughs) a much bigger much bigger sequence than it actually was it happens really fast it's really perfunctory yeah but long enough for her to scream a little bit which is yeah surprising little but then and then you get the fight scene that um i i agree that the, the music is great and i love it but i don't like the use of the music during that fight scene where where kate is being saved because it's just like this dun, dun, epic dun, 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 it's epic sweeping triumphant music and like I, I was watching it with my friend annette and she's just like it's okay the music is just telling you that he's going to succeed you're being reassured all the <laughs> way through the fight and i was like okay right. i guess it's the the lead male has to rescue the captured female and so you play yep. the overture that that's sadly how it worked in 1979. It's ridiculous and, then, and horrible. And then she's literally got a tinfoil hat on afterwards. She does. Right. <laughs> and that's like, she, Annette's like, I am so going to cosplay that. And two people are going to get it. Well, you want to make sure her brain heats evenly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that makes sense. It's like a, yeah. Zapper needs like to tinfoil stop the ESP work. Oh. <laughs> now you can't call your robots for help. Yeah. Any other final thoughts about the black hole before we go? Just that I'm going to go through the black hole and I'm going to find that train and I'm going to confront Vincent and I'm going <laughs> to conquer my fear. Or he's going to shoot you because he's a killer. Or, or, or drill, drill a hole through, through my chest. He's going to quote yeah. Cicero while he blasts you with his laser. <laughs> I think a movie called The Black Hole should get to the black hole a lot faster. Mm. My movie is 10 minutes t- of talking, then right into the black hole, and the rest of it is in that fiery hellscape. Well, you should yeah. submit your script to Disney. I would watch that movie. Uh, I don't know if I would. <laughs> I think it's worth also talking. We talked about the special effects quite a bit and how they held up. I think it's worth mentioning that the director, Gary Nelson, uh, you know, made some mistakes in directing this movie. I think it's fair to say, but also was so committed to it that he stayed on through all of the post-production, which is was at the time really unusual for a Disney movie. Uh, and if the in interviews, the people who were handling the SFX, who, by the way, were like all oscar nominated or oscar winners like absolute top flight people doing their special effects and they basically credited him with getting this movie through production and on time through post-production and out on time because disney were insistent that it had to be a christmas movie and all the special effects guys went yeah that's not going to happen we'll see you in spring when we've finished all these special effects shots but he 
basically corralled and shepherded them all through to get it released on time, showing like way more commitment than was expected of a Disney movie director at the time. So I think, you know, we haven't really mentioned him because it's not, I mean, he was mainly a TV director and it's not Mm -hmm. really a sort of fantastically directed movie in terms of shot choice and sort of sweeping moments. But he clearly loved this movie and treated it like his baby and shepherded it through the whole way. And I think he at least deserves some credit for that. All right. Well, we have reached the end of the black hole and emerged out a white hole and there's a planet i guess something like that uh, <laughs> or are we in I, or are we it's that's that's mm. for the listener to decide i'd like to thank my guests for joining <laughs> me on this ride through the black hole uh now that they leave my haunted castle and uh, go through the black hole bye bye chandelier <laughs> oh we lost the chandelier oh yeah. i bet that room got really messed yeah. up during the yeah, yeah. i would have loved to see it get destroyed but it, it couldn't afford that because they were just borrowing no, they needed it to the use day. that in another movie in another disney movie yes. <laughs> drifted by during the hell sequence that, that would have been, been great the chandelier look there's the chandelier uh anthony johnston thank you thank you jason i shall now prepare to go in through and beyond erica ensign thank you i'm gonna quote vincent you can't modify perfection we're the best <laughs> james thompson we're the best <laughs> uh when you're when you're nose to nose with a trash compactor you cool it <laughs> I like that. There is that moment where the where the Johnny hairdo, as Phil called him, uh, actually knocks on the side of of Maximilian's head, yeah. and I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, do you not see no yeah. an evil robot when you see one? Don't poke the lion. Don't, oh <laughs> no, yeah. what are you doing, Kathy Campbell? Thank you. Thank you for program programming me to speak. <laughs> um, Monty Ashley, I'll communicate this via ESP. When are we doing Candle Shoe? <laughs> yes, please. I am so there. Uh, Philip Michaels, thank you for joining us to, to talk about 70s Disney movies. More light. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Phil has died. Steve, Steve Lutz, thank you. I didn't mean to sound superior, Jason, but I hate the company of robots. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. To say goodbye, I'll quote from Roger Ebert's review of The Black Hole. Black holes retain their reputations. Nothing can escape from them, not even this movie. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs>